Bobby J, the host of City Chapters podcast. Today's chapter, we're sitting with Bobby Inslow. He's the owner at Indaba with his wife, Sheena. Sheena was a young life coach for me or leader for me when I was in high school. So I've known her a lot of my life and uh, met Bobby at some point during business for what I do for client design and merchandise. And that was at that time that I learned he was married to Sheena once we started doing some business together. Um, you know, if you're from Spokane and you like coffee, you certainly know about Indaba. They are a beast in the coffee scene. Um, personally, some of my favorite coffee as well. And just the environment that they set at their places, you know, it's just, it feels good. Coffee's amazing. They have a great slogan, uh, which is love coffee, love people. Or love people first. Love yeah. people first. Love people first. Love, love people, people, love, love coffee. coffee. Yeah. And uh, I like that. Love people first. So that's great. And um, yeah, I've done some business with Bobby, like I mentioned. Um, it always trips me out because we got the same name. Even when I text you, I'm like, it's weird texting my own name. <laughs> yeah, but, I was like, Bobby E. I'm Bobby E. Then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We have, but we've had some great short conversations and um, I admire what Bobby has done with his business and what he's done with Indaba, how far he's been able to take that brand. And I think it's one of the coolest brands we have locally in Spokane in general, from my perspective, um, just because everybody pretty much knows about Indaba, it feels like. Um, so that's why I wanted to have him on and just, you know, learn some more from him about his business acumen and his backstory. So that's my intro for Bobby. <laughs> and uh, thanks for coming on, Bobby. Thanks, Bobby. <laughs> Thanks, Bobby. Bobby, Bobby, Bobby. Yeah. It's Bobby's world, we man. Got, we got Bobby's world happening today. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on. And yeah, like you said, I uh, I think, yeah, I met you. I don't even know if you just came into the shop or reached out or something. And um, yeah, but yeah, the, the OG Young Life world has this kind of like, you know, network in Spokane. And but uh, yeah, like some of that. The, our original like coffee shirts and sweaters and stuff that really took off. People still request them and stuff, so we'll have to do like a throwback here eventually and mm -hmm. and do like a reprint because people still like request some of them. And I'm like, they're gone. They're like they were like one off things that we're doing. But mm -hmm. um, but yeah, thanks for having me on. And um, I don't know a little bit backstory on me. Um, my dad was uh, 23 years Air Force, and so he. He met his uh, wife, my mom, in Korea when he was stationed over in Korea. And uh, uh, I was just talking about this the other day with a customer, but I was kind of the oopser, uh, you mm. know, because he had me late in life. And so he, mm. <laughs> I don't know how good that is for my childhood psychology, but. Uh, how old was your dad <laughs> when he had you? Oh, I mean, towards retirement. So he, uh, I was born in 83 and he retired in like 85 six or something like that 23 yeah. years in the air force so um so i didn't experience your like traditional military kid you mm. know i was born in korea which is kind of unique but then uh, a couple years later they moved to spokane mm. um, specifically because my dad's a big outdoorsman like fly fishing and um and things like that and he heard that you know he'd never been to this area and there was a lot of lakes and things and so he chose Fairchild to retire, and <clears throat> and so I grew up in Spokane. Went to the same house, like went to North Central High School, and mm. um, 
And you so, guys lived in town then? Yeah. So, yeah, I, yeah, I grew up down Indian Trail, you know. Oh, uh, yeah. Went to Balboa, Salk, North Central, and yeah. then went to WSU. So it was very much like an inland, yep. you know, Spokane person. And so I grew up more in the family setting of, like, my mom's Korean. My dad's grew up in San Diego. Um, and not, like I said, a traditional military kid, but more like small business owner family. Like he owned a restaurant for nine years. Uh, so I got to really grow up like around, like around the customers and in the restaurant, you know, basically in the restaurant all the time. And what restaurant was that? Uh, Pizzazz Pizza. Pizzazz Pizza. Yeah. Up north in Wandermere. He had Pizzazz Pizza for nine years. And wow. Uh, best that calzones in Spokane, awesome. man. Yeah, so it was. Growing up now there's a Carl's Jr. Jr. there. So, <laughs> oh man. But yeah, I'm, I, yeah, I that miss must those have days. Been pretty sweet growing up yeah. in a pizza joint. Oh yeah, like, that's a kid's dream. Yeah, it was legit. Pizza parlor. Yeah, man. Oh, we were. Right. I was eating the, from the nacho bar every day, and like <laughs> yeah. I got like those red quarters that I could play arcades all day. Yeah. You know. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely grew up just seeing how hard it like they worked. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point where it affected my dad's health, and that was ultimately his decision to kind of take a break. And then he took a couple years off, and um, then he started a business in Pullman, kind of thinking, like, as I went to college, it was a place that I could kind of go work. And so I actually worked for my dad through college really? uh, in a little corner store. And so what was that little, store? Uh, a little store called uh, uh, Corner Market, which uh-huh. some people from that time – will remember my dad he was a bit of a legend but he was mm. corner market bob was his, mm. his his name the unofficial greek god of beer is what they called him <laughs> but yeah. it was right in the middle of greek row it was like yeah. the corner store you know yeah. in Pullman. and uh, i feel like i know where that is you probably do <laughs> I, I think i've been yep I you think may have I gone in there exactly and got a couple 40s is. i mean yeah. that's kind of what you did For back sure. in the day yeah and uh so i i worked there i would even go down in, in high school on like apple cup weekend and like just stock beer and like yeah and shelves and help them and um so a lot of, i just kind of grew up just really honoring and respecting and seeing firsthand like small businesses and small business owners and how much work they put into it and mm. and my dad really really just loved and cared about his employees and i always just was that just blew my mind how much he just genuinely cared about his employees and his customers and um to the point where he'd go and advocate for them like at city hall or like at the greek council or whatever like he's he would be you know advocates for for you know uh his customers and his employees and and so uh, I never, it's funny cause I never thought I'd almost told myself when, when they owned the restaurant that I would never start a restaurant cause, cause I saw how much work it was and they made basically broke even at, yeah. at the end of nine years, you know? Right. Um, and I was like, I'm never going to do that. I'm going to go and get a good job and I'm going to provide and all these things. And, um, but my story is like, you know, that was kind of my track. I got a finance degree and got my master's in business and it's like, Hey, I'm going to go and get this good job. But there was just this calling from uh, my mentor, uh, who was my youth pastor in high school, but he just become a good friend and mentor. I was like, "Hey, you should you should start a business in in West Central Spokane, and you know, I think it should be a coffee shop." And you know, initially I was like, "No, you're no, <laughs> like I'm gonna go and find a really good paying job, and yeah. I'll support you know causes through paycheck, you know." Mm. And uh, but that summer is when I went to South Africa, and that's where the Indaba name comes from. And mm. but that experience in Africa, just seeing the wealth and poverty, and 
just a lot of the different things that I saw there. I mean, that's its own story. Mm. Um, really called me to like want to do something in my own hometown. How old were you when you went down there? Uh, that was like in my 20s, yeah. Early 20s? Yeah, early 20s. I was probably 22 you know, yeah. at the time. But just experiencing like that poverty and then feeling called to to what was the, the main, I guess, point there was how much of a gap there was from rich and poor mm. and coffee shops and coffee. And it's like this place where we can hopefully bridge some gaps and like connect people, you know? Mm. And I felt like it was just so like South Africa is just, you know, their history of division, right? Like oh, just yeah. a history of apartheid and all that kind of stuff. And so like mm. just having a passion mm. for, and, and coffee shops really was that. Like people asked me like, were you into coffee before in Daba? And I was like, actually, no. Like, mm. but I was into like, community and like bringing people together and trying to create positive change somehow. And, and that's really kind of the birth of Indaba was like, how are we creating this community space where everyone was welcome and, um, and, and how can we make it sustainable while well, we sell cups of coffee? You know, I guess Starbucks is doing it. They're going around and creating these spaces where community happens. And, um, and then I'm in it making coffee and now I'm learning about coffee and, you know, I'm kind of a nerd when it came to like beer and wine and stuff. So I just started nerding it out on coffee. And then, cause I even have some old regulars that, you know, would come in and be like, yeah, your coffee actually wasn't that great in like 2009 when you first started, but I went in to support you, you know, mm. but now like, you know, they've like, you've grown a lot, you've learned a lot. And it's, it's true. I mean, like, I didn't know really what I was doing. I had, I was fortunate to learn under a couple of barista champions and stuff and, mm. um, and go to like, you know, some specialty you know, early specialty coffee roasters that were just starting out in the area and learn from them. And, but, um, there wasn't resources like there are now where I could just go buy and book and learn coffee science. Yeah. You know, um, it was a lot of just trial and error and pulling a lot of shots and tasting it and seeing, Oh, that tasted gross and that tasted better. And, um, and then really there was, I mean, Indaba, if anyone has like come to the original Indaba from the beginning, they just know that it's evolved so much. Like it's completely different than it was in 2009. And, and just determining like, you know, what it is from a product standpoint that people are wanting to buy from us, but also like a, from a value standpoint of what Indaba wants to stand for and like be. Um, and in the beginning there was, even though like it was rooted in this idea of like, we want to create a community space in a tough neighborhood and create jobs and change a lot of the focus of our business was um, creating the best product possible. And so our mantra when we first started was simply great coffee. Like we wanted to just be really simple and create really, really good coffee. Mm -hmm. uh, but the problem with that mantra is it, it almost put all of our attention on the product and not the people. Mm -hmm. And like earlier we were saying people first, right? Mm -hmm. So that like, was a growth for me. And so we started in 2009. So in 2012 is when we started kind of like getting a reputation. Uh, I was voted one of Spokane's best baristas. And so we were like featured in a whole bunch of stuff. Then uh, STCU picked me up for like all their commercials. And, and then all of a sudden I started getting a little local celebrity and stuff was happening. And our, our mantra was still rooted in this idea of like being about like coffee and having the best coffee. Uh, but ironically, like what really was helping us grow was like our story about community and like people and why we were in that neighborhood. Mm. And so there was like this weird disconnect where all of our focus was on like our product, 
but the people were loving us more, not just because of our product. Because honestly, like coffee, you can get coffee almost anywhere. I mean, mm-hmm. sure, there's a good and bad coffee, but mm-hmm. it's become like, you know. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. So it's like, well, what makes us different? Well, our story is what makes us different. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, what are we about? So like in 2012, it kind of went through this, I don't know, like a re-enlightening of like, what Indaba really is supposed to be about and was rooted on. Um, even to the point where I started realizing a lot of our staff, you know, weren't in, weren't in alignment with, with that. Mm. And so love people, love coffee came out of that time of, cause it, we actually, it was love coffee, love people, even when we first started. And then it wasn't until one of our staff was like, that's backwards. Uh, and I was like, Oh yeah. Like mm. putting people first. And so love people, love coffee. And then after we kind of re-envisioned like what our core mantra is and what we're supposed to be about, like it allowed us to slowly start kind of weeding out the people that didn't fit with that culture. It's like that start with why. Yeah. Yeah. So we understood that like ultimately it's about people first. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we're passionate about coffee and we want to produce really, really good coffee. But honestly, like. That's the byproduct, right? That's, that's the means. That's the yeah, byproduct. The catalyst, it's a tool. Maybe. Exactly. Yeah, like it's yeah. it's there. And, yeah. and funny thing is, is we sell a lot of matcha too. Like we don't just sell coffee. Like people mm-hmm. come into Indaba because of the people, because of the vibe. Because I of do. The, yeah. I've been starting to work uh, your Riverside one more often, just because I'm like working from home all the time. I got to get around just people and environments, and I like your environment the best out of coffee shop. So that Riverside and I th- one. You I hung like out with one. Shane Thompson too? You did a podcast me, recently? Yeah, yeah, me and Shane are brothers. Yeah, we, like yeah. we grew up, He's he he was a mentor for me too in high school. I've known him since I was in probably like seventh grade minimum. <laughs> so crazy. Yeah, so, and maybe longer than that, but for sure by seventh grade, we knew each other. And uh, yeah, we've been brothers ever since. Yeah. So he was a big part of that enlightening experience because mm-hmm. he would come in, and at the time he was working for YFC, and he'd bring kids mm-hmm. in and different people in, and and get coffee, and he was just getting into coffee and stuff. And yeah, but out of all the coffee places, like he just kept reinforcing to me that like Bobby and Daba is like the only coffee place where I don't feel judged when I come in. You know, mm. like I feel like. I'm welcome here. Mm. And, uh, you know, and at that time there was definitely some shops in town where you walk in and you almost feel like you're not cool enough to be there. Mm. It's like, that's not like what a coffee shop should be. At least in my opinion, that's no. not what I wanted in Daba to be. Right. No. So yeah. I was like, absolutely. in Daba, like, and so one of our core values, we have a list of them is do not judge. Like we yeah. don't judge people when they come in. Yeah. You know, um, our job is just, that's to a good people. one, man. Yeah. And that, and that, that's, that's a hard one too. <laughs> yeah. It's a good one. It's a hard one. It's a good one and a hard one. Because I, I try not to judge others, but it's so instinctually built into us for self-defense mechanisms, so, you know, for survival mm-hmm. that we're like, oh, but that's the practice of not judging people's huge, man. And that makes obviously a, a huge ripple effect in your business and the mm-hmm. way it feels in there. Yeah. So just to put that out there for your employees to understand, like, we're not doing that here. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense why it feels so good. In it there. changed the approach. Like, I mean, yeah. at the time in like 2012, 13, 14, you know, quote unquote, third wave coffee, it's still being thrown out there. But even though I feel like we've passed that wave, mm-hmm. uh, but it was like a way of referring to that kind of renaissance and coffee of like more purist and elitist and 
And the problem is with that movement is it created that super pretentious barista kind of vibe. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and that was something that we had to come out of really fighting and, and realizing like, and for me, it was actually what finally took me to the next level is like coming to fully appreciate the diversity in coffee itself. Like there isn't a right and wrong way, mm. you know, um, I go and I have a, a beer with my dad and I drink Bud Light. Mm -hmm. Do I go to like local breweries and drink IPAs? Yes, but that mm -hmm. doesn't mean I can't go and have a good beer with my dad, even <laughs> good beer with my dad, but mm -hmm. I have a beer with my dad, mm -hmm. like, and then drink Bud Light. I don't care. Like mm -hmm. it's, I'm having a beer with my dad, you know, mm -hmm. like, but I think that it became for some reason, like coffee was like, you have to drink it this way or whatever it is. And it has to be roasted this way. And, yeah. and it's like, no, I think, you know, I came to appreciate it, like, you know what? Like I grew up drinking Folgers with my dad and, mm -hmm. you know, three packets of sugar and cream, just like my dad used to drink, you know? And mm -hmm. so there's something nostalgic and something that I can appreciate about that. And, and, the, and I almost came to appreciate just the diversity because people would even argue over like, what's a cappuccino? Like what's a real cappuccino or what's a macchiato? What's a real mm -hmm. macchiato? And like, yeah. and it's like, I, I just want to know what yeah. my customer wants and make it for them the best that I can and yeah. kind of actually really appreciate it's pointless the, the diversity of it. You know what right, I mean? Like and there's sure. beauty in the diversity and like mm. going to Spain and like they drink different drinks and but it's mm. coffee, mm. you know, and then go to Australia, they drink different drinks, you know. Um, mm. even within the United States, you go to California, they got different drinks and and how this, you know, crazy little fruit seed is like evolved into this really complex, you know, beverage that um, has created its own like little subcultures around the world of, you know, how people prepare it and drink it and roast it. And, and that just connected me almost to a deeper humanity too, of like this deeper diversity, you know, and I'm a pretty spiritual person. So like just connecting it to that, you know, and then connecting it to, you know, our fellow humans and the different cultures on the planet. And I was just mm. like, man, like this is coffee. This is this crazy, representation of that you know like and i can either choose to be that judgmental type of person like this is the, the right way to be a human or the right way to think you know or i can be more of an open-minded person that is willing to like sit down with people and like truly hear them and mm -hmm. like try to understand their perspective and yeah. how they were raised and like because like yeah we're just extremely complicated you know, creatures, you know, this is just yeah. a small little bean that we roast and brew and yet we blow it up to this thing. And yeah. And so coming out of the pandemic, especially has been a huge emphasis on kind of shifting our culture a little bit. And so our new, it's not a new mantra, but it's like our current vision for the company is cultivate connection. Cultivate so connection. love people, love coffees, you know, like our mantra and is like the deep root of who we are. And, but coming out of the pandemic, I kind of, I don't know what you would call it, kind of created this vision of like, now's our time to help cultivate connection because hmm. people have been disconnected through the pandemic itself. But, you know, that's just, I think, amplified what was already politically going on, socially. Yeah. Right? Like, you know, you have, I mean, the pandemic just like amplified everything. It just turned it yeah. all the way up. It was just like, hmm. you know. And so, okay, well, how are we, what are we called to do as this little small coffee shop in, you know, Spokane? Mm. Um, what is something that we can do to 
try to make some sort of change and that's cultivating connection. If that's just being a space where people can connect. Cultivate and connection or is it cultivate connection? Cultivate connection. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So right. whether that's like people are coming in and we are actually like connecting people. Like one of my favorite things to do when I'm on bar working is actually connecting regulars with each other mm. because I have – you start to, when you're on bar, you just build a relationship with all your customers coming in. Mm -hmm. But what's cool is that when you get to that point, you you start to see connections that should be made. And I don't know if that's a gifting that I've been given, but being able to like yeah. connect people, I just that's love connecting people. I believe that's a gift. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, yeah. you know, Roger, you need to be, you need mm -hmm. to meet, you know, Woody over here. He's doing like this amazing development work. It's a choice too. Yeah. It's a choice that you choose to do that, you know, and you look for that as well. Yeah. Just so consciously think, connect, yeah. like, you know, growing. And I think it might be rooted in, like, as a kid, I was you know, isolated a lot. And, like, in my elementary school years, thinking back, you know. In what um, ways? I would, like, I would just isolate myself a lot. Oh, like, by you your know? own decision. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, it's interesting just like because. like, shy or Yeah, I was shy. Or... I would isolate. I would be teased. And I don't know if it uh -huh. was because I was, like, the only Asian in the class or whatever. I mean, yeah. it could be that. But. You know, or yeah. or just, I don't know. But it wasn't really until college that I kind of, like, broke more into my extroverted side, which hmm. then I discovered I actually am more of an extroverted person. Hmm. Um, and I'm more alive when I am in that state. And when yeah. I isolate and I, and I disconnect from people is when I just start getting all the negative. Depression. All the negative stuff. Yeah, yeah depression, all that you, stuff. Man, yeah. And so... So that I think Indaba also comes out of that passion of like, I know that isolating and being alone is a is a horrible place for me, mm. um, and so like if I can be a conduit to connect people or mm. like create spaces that create connection, um, that just brings life to me because I know that that is just so important, and um, I truly believe like humans are, you know got to be in community and relationship and even studies are coming out now like science that's backing that up like people are live longer they're healthier mm -hmm. when they have deeper rooted connections mm -hmm. with people and other humans i know? just read a book called ikigai it's the japanese word for your purpose essentially oh, yeah. that's what it basically translates to but it talks about super centurions in there from japan um specifically from Osaka, the mm -hmm. island. And then I think they're, I don't know, uh, is it Okinawa that's on Osaka? Either way, they're from sure. Osaka, which is like this tropical island, you know, that's part of the Japanese empire now. It wasn't always, but either way, these people there, they, they live past 110 all the time. Like mm -hmm. there's a ton of them there. And like the biggest thing that they do is they have a garden and they get together with their friends every day, mm. every single day. And they walk a lot. They don't really drive so much there. Mm -hmm. They rather walk. But, um, you know, the those are the three. Stay active, do something a day. And, and they don't believe in extensive workouts. They believe in just you got to move your body. They believe in friendships every day. They're with their friends, mm -hmm. even when they're like, you know, like to them, they it's funny in the book, it says like 80 year olds are like kids to them. Mm. Like you're still a child, you know, like you're still, you got a long ways to go, you know? Mm -hmm. 
And it's it's interesting their way of living in society, and it's beautiful, you know. And that Absolutely. book was really, really great on uh, talking about community. I mean, there's a lot of points, man. There's so much that you said that is like all that I agree with, and things that I'm trying to foster in the city chapters. Um, like one of my mottos um, is "Rep and Connect." Represent where you're from, your community, and I mean that in a positive way. I don't mean it in like represent your hood in a negative way, you know, like mm. kind of where that street logo originated was like, yeah, rep where you're from, but that kind of had a negative connotation. I'm trying to transmute that into being like, no, it's okay to represent where you're from with mm. love and passion and connect with other people that feel the same way mm -hmm. about the same place or another place. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, like connecting this podcast for me is all about connecting and strengthening connections with people that I already do know, or if I don't know them, having this time to sit with them and create a connection with them so that I can really figure out what I, how to put all the pieces together for what I really want to do with City Chapters. Because you talked about um, coffee being a catalyst. And initially like clothing was like the way I wanted to make money, but now it's the catalyst for the brand to be seen in you know, the community mm -hmm. and the streets, but uh, it's not the purpose of what I really want to do with city chapters. It's just, mm. I like that we have that same thought process. Like no coffee is a way, it's a, a, a means to an end. And that's mm -hmm. how I look at like what I want to do with my clothing. Like I'm going to do great work with my clothing. It's going to be high end. It's going to mean something special when you wear it but it's really to represent the deeper essence of what city chapter is, is really trying to stand for and be about. And mm -hmm. it's been a lot of work for me because I've had to grow so much as a person to even have the tenacity to start and run a brand like this. Cause the original purpose of it changed just like yours did, you know, it started off with, oh, we're going to sell coffee. It's going to be the best. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the same thing that happened with me and, um, my product and my idea for city chapters. And I realized, no, oh, this is way, it's way bigger than this. It's, mm -hmm. it's not about the clothes alone. You know, mm -hmm. it's about how do I create some kind of organization that has pull in society, but also encourages people to understand like doing and helping others is where we all need to be. And you're not a loser if you want to do that, you know, like it's oh, like, the return you're gonna get from just the general community if you put that kind of energy out there is is you know it can help and it does help you know i guess you just got to choose where you want to be well that's the big thing from simon senek's takeaway is like you know people buy why you do it not what you do right yeah so if if city chapters is representing something deeper than just you know a nice hoodie or a nice shirt mm -hmm. um, but it has this deeper why of like you said like repping where you're from mm -hmm. in a positive way and mm -hmm. connecting to other places like even though i was born in korea spokane's my home yeah this is where i was raised this is where i'm attached to this is where i felt called back to even after traveling it's like this is where i want to invest my time money and energy i'm raising my family like you know, we still live in West Central. Our kids all go to school in the neighborhood. You know, we've, you know, we're investing in our property. We're investing in our business, investing back in our employees. Like it, you know, having a brand that can kind of represent that. Yeah. Like 
you know, Spokane is my home and I am passionate about Spokane and I'm not going to, I'm not going to position that as hating on other cities, but I'm going to position yeah. that as being proud of my city and, and acknowledging that there's, there's more to do. Yeah. You know? And what's interesting is like, so Indaba's got to the point where we've, we were now multi-city, which is kind of weird to think, but we're yeah. Tri-Cities, we're Kennewick, Tri-Cities. and we just opened Yakima, you know, last week. And so nice. what's interesting is that it's funny that I'm meeting with you now just after our grand opening there is that cities, I feel like cities desperately need that sense of mm. community. Like I mm. feel like, you know, um, there's a lot of disunity from the different people that I've met in these different cities where people just feel fragmented and there isn't a sense of separated, like, yeah, uh, you know, and, yeah. and so, but like, you know, if mm. we could create, like I'm trying to create places where people can connect and do that. And you're mm. trying to create a brand that represents like people like-minded mm. that, Hey, this is where I'm from. This is where I want to invest. And this is what, and I'm proud of it. I mean, I think, you know, a couple of like Spokane doesn't suck was kind of a similar Hmm. kind of trendy thing that was touching on that kind of similar principle of like, Hmm. Hey, Spokane doesn't suck guys. Like it actually Hmm. is kind of cool, you know? Hmm. And obviously it's a, it's a fun viral phrase, you know, that can, Hmm. that exploded there for a minute. Hmm. But I think it does touch deeply on like almost this level of, you know, that there, there is every city has like a subgroup of haters i feel like oh yeah you know <laughs> like that just hate on it and, well, and yeah. anywhere people, you go you know, people aren't going to be happy like people just that's just human nature i guess right yeah I, you know i don't know i mean and I, but i even see it like i see it like trying to make its way back into spokane even too like even people who well, have like invested and put a lot of blood, sweat and tears in like Spokane and trying to make it better, you know, yeah. the hospitality industry or whatever it is. Yeah. And you know, there's going to be different seasons just like in any in life and anything where mm. like man, like things are just cruising and going great. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to hit tough times and yep. tough things are going to happen and it's like, well, are you that's when you're going to get tested. Like are you your character's tested, your yeah. values are tested, your all that mm. stuff. And so it's like I love that, yeah. man. I love where this is going. Um, so you're you're saying in some ways you feel that there's kind of uh, a degress in the progress that we've been making in Spokane as far as like the community, how people feel about Spokane, and now there's some more negativity potentially coming I, I'm in. I'm starting to sense that. And, yeah. you know, and obviously social media isn't the perfect like test for sensing things, but yeah. at the same time, yeah. it kind of is. Like mm. you can kind of get a pulse. It's a, yeah. You know, reflection uh, of mind states. But yeah, yeah, and I'm more connected with like, you know, small business owners and um, people, in, you know, restaurateurs and stuff. And mm-hmm. obviously, we've been hit super hard with the pandemic. And, yeah. and people don't realize that we're still crawling out of a deep hole that the pandemic created for restaurants and and things and so mm-hmm. um especially more of the artisan mom and pop restaurants i feel like the chains loved it you know they just were rolling in the drive-throughs you know we're rolling i think 30 percent up was like one figure that i heard um but like the local restaurants that 
literally create community. They like the yeah. same way Indaba does. These yeah. local pubs and restaurants yeah. create connection yep. and community. And what's interesting is that uh, one of my friends um, at Whitworth uh, is a professor, and what he studies is actually empathy. Hmm. Um, and one of the core things that you need for empathy to like grow and thrive and exist is place, a sense of place. Mm-hmm. And during, that's the thing that literally was dismantled during the pandemic is mm-hmm. a sense of place. And what's interesting is that's literally what your brand is trying to do is create a sense mm-hmm. of place. And, but physically, tangibly, like mm-hmm. pizza places, coffee shops, pubs, breweries, like those are places where people are congregating and creating a sense of place and community. And without those, empathy can't actually exist. So then you have a whole bunch of people who just have zero empathy with each other. Mm. And we all know what that looks like when you you don't ha- you have no way of putting your mind in that other person's shoes. You're just going to treat them like crap, you know? They're 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 just an object, you know, which is exactly what social media and things is created. Like, oh, it's terrible. Know, we're just all objects, we're just little yeah. bits of pieces avatars on the yeah. you know, the metaverse now, right? So Yeah. Um and that's what, you know, those are the challenges that we're going to be starting moving into because, mm-hmm. you know, people, you're seeing like people just stealing stuff, not even respecting other people's stuff. And, you know, um, it's because there's no empathy. There's no sense of place. There's no sense of community. There's no sense of interconnectedness and understanding that like your prosperity is also my prosperity. Man, I, I, I relate with everything you're saying is, uh, part of why I started city chapters. And as time has gone on, it it was like really more apparent. I mean, really, I've always wanted to create something where I felt like there was an immense, strong community, you know, like, like where I belong. And if I have to create it, I will. So like, mm. I mean, as much as, you know, you say all these things, I, it's like why I'm trying to figure out city chapters. Like, how do I create what I think is missing? Because, mm-hmm. dude, I don't feel like I belong anywhere other than with my immediate family. Um, I don't feel I don't feel connected with my community in Spokane hardly. You know, like this podcast is helping me work through that. Um, so it's like the reason, you know, that saying, like, if you don't see something in the world, we'll go create it. That's what I decided to do. Mm. I'm still working it out. And it's a big, (laughs) large mission because it's really deep to me. And I've learned, like, I can't be in a hurry for this one is like myself. I have to get right with myself, my own, like, I got to feel like I can belong within myself, you know, because I think that was one of my biggest problems. And I've gotten to a, a level now where I feel okay with myself. Mm-hmm. I can be with myself and just be okay with that. Mm-hmm. So now I have a strong base again because I've, I've had to put in the work there and it took me years and years and years. I'm 33 now, been knowing and what I needed to do probably since I was like 21 when I was locked up. I had like some epiphanies when I was locked up for that six months, but I couldn't really implement the discipline because I wanted to barter with life and life kept teaching me over and over again like you need to do these things to be okay with yourself to live in accordance with what your truth is Mm. so after many times of being slapped down slapped down and me making poor decisions and involving myself in environments and um 
friendships that really weren't beneficial as far as personal growth goes and like the at least the life that I really truly wanted to live um you know God or whatever you want to call it the almighty the universe really kind of just cattle guarded me because I'm the stubborn <laughs> knucklehead and mm-hmm. it was like all right dude like you know and we're just going to keep making it harder and harder for you until you wake up and then mm-hmm. I've you know implemented the discipline um, for quite a while now, I'm finally just starting to see results and I'm finally start starting to feel okay with myself. But I think that's mm-hmm. the core of why we don't have strong communities is because I think a lot of us are not okay with ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like, and I, and how I can't speak for everybody, but I've spoken with enough people that I know a lot of people do struggle with it. So sure. I, I can't speak and say everybody's there. Mental health is so yeah. huge right now like, yeah. and depression and all those things. And and I remember, you know, you're using the phrase being okay with yourself. And I remember like my freshman year in college having kind of that epiphany Um having an epiphany of basically, you know, coming from like a Christian background, you know, Mm. um, if the God of the universe or the creator loves me Mm. infinitely and he, and sees me as having infinite worth, then why don't I see myself that way? So literally if like this all powerful being created the universe, the divine, whatever you want to call it, sees me as having infinite worth and loving me unconditionally. Why can't I do it to myself? And that was this really kind of mind-boggling position. Like, am I that pretentious and prideful that I literally would put myself above the creator himself to be like, you know, and like hold myself at that standard when even he doesn't like Mm -hmm. or she doesn't, you know? So it's Mm -hmm. like, I don't know, man, like, that was like the starting of my journey of discovering like and breaking down all that negative, just all those negative thoughts that you have and yeah. about yourself and, mm-hmm. you know, the mistakes that you've made because um, we've all made them, you know, mm-hmm. growing up and um, and even every day you make mistakes yeah. and you do shit. I yell at, yell at the kids or, you know, lose my temper or whatever it is, you know. Oh, yeah. And you know, beat myself up about it. And mm-hmm. I'm a type three Enneagram. And so uh, basically I'm a, like you could, they call it the achiever class mm-hmm. or whatever, but basically I put mm-hmm. a lot of my self-worth and identity in like achievements and like mm-hmm. accolades and like yeah. accomplishing tasks and performing, right? Mm-hmm. And so if I fail at something, it can affect me a lot. If I'm not in a good, healthy place and yeah. and in, and understanding my identity and knowing, you know, my worth. If I, even if I just do one, just a stupid little thing, it will just like devastate me for the day. Like it will just get into my brain and be like, you're a piece of crap, like mm-hmm. da, 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 all day. Mm-hmm. Like you're just a horrible person, horrible, you know? And and it could be literally like something little, like, I don't even know, like. Putting a lid put on it, a coffee and it didn't go right. Yeah, and then, put the it, lid and then on you wrong. get pissed and then or I yeah. or I just forgot to put a dish in the sink and or my wife is just like, Hey, could you do this next time? Like she's not even calling me out. She's just saying, Hey, next time when you do that, could you do this? Yeah. Yeah. She's yeah. just trying to be helpful. Yeah. And then I'm just like, you know, getting upset that I like screwed up or did something wrong. And yeah. And I think just, we have a lot of similarities there. 
Yeah, and I think you know, I think under like everyone has to go through their journey of understanding kind of how their being is wired and how their body and their brains and and mm. spirit and heart and all that is wired and and then once you can kind of break down the uh, almost the base code of like your your being like your body, then you can hopefully like I I don't think you can actually rewire it. I feel like. I feel like there's certain neural pathways that are just like hard set after certain points in your life. There's, um, I forget the term for it, but basically your brain becomes kind of hardwired. And uh, yeah. so then you kind of have to just teach yourself <laughs> like subroutines out of that, you know, mm -hmm. like, I, okay, I know I'm going to, this is how that's going to affect me. How am I going to get out of that? Mm -hmm. And so, um, because, you know, like people who have tempers and things like that, like, they're probably always going to have that reaction mm -hmm. to certain things just because their mind is, their brain is literally hardwired to react certain ways. But then it's like, how can you quickly course correct? It's management. I think it. a lot of it, because I have severe anger problems um, and they were out of control for most of my life. Um, and, you know, if alcohol was introduced, like there's no telling what could happen, you know? Um, so alcohol has been one of the biggest things that's always held me back and that mixed with my anger, you mm -hmm. know? Um, yeah, because your control over your body goes away. And oh, yeah. And if you don't have control over your body, then it's just... Well, even just getting angry releases chemicals that mm -hmm. lose makes you lose control of your decision-making. You add that yeah, with people alcohol... people literally black out, black out when oh, they're I've angry. I've blacked out thousands of times, yeah. man. Like, honestly that many times. I mean, that just is a credit to how much I was drinking and the lifestyle I was living. I mean, sure. it was dark and it was ugly and it was crazy. I always felt spiritual and called to a higher cause, but I just didn't know how to get away from what I was into sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I did. I can't say that I didn't, <laughs> but it was, it's- You just weren't at that place yet. Like it's, yeah. it's one of those things It's you know, easier said than done. You mm -hmm. could want to be a better person. We all want to be better people. Deep down, everybody really wants to, but you're gonna make your choices and mm -hmm. whether they align with your higher cause, your higher self or not, that, you know, a lot of us give up on it. And mm -hmm. it's easy to, you get hurt by somebody and you're mad at the world. So you just want to hurt the world too, or yourself, whatever it mm -hmm. is, or both. And it was both for me, you know, like I just didn't care about myself. I didn't love myself. And mm -hmm. I always was big on respect, but I like, I realized at some point I was like, bro, you don't even respect yourself mm -hmm. and you want people to respect you or you, you think you can respect others, but you don't even respect yourself. Same thing with love. Mm. Like you, you can't love others if you don't love yourself. Like not, not in. A, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe that's possible, but I think that it's really hard to love others or have empathy for others if you don't have that for yourself. Mm. How could you show anybody those types of emotions if you can't allow that for yourself? And uh, I think people can do it, but I don't. I don't think they're they're not happy either. Mm. You know what I mean? So like maybe you can love others and you don't really take care of yourself well because you're giving so much to others, but what are you losing in regards to that? Mm. So that balance of like, once you love yourself, then you can love people in a, a, a healthy way, I think more mm -hmm. than it is unhealthy. Because if you're, if you're loving others and you're not loving yourself, there's a, un, there's a that's unbalanced. 
Well, for me, it would be like loving others or performing for others to somehow try to give some sort of worth to myself. Right. And I agree with that. And to feed into my own like self-worth by how others would respond. So when others Mm -hmm. responded negatively, I immediately like my self-worth would be like nowhere. And, Mm -hmm. and so I think, yeah, I mean, the goal is to get to the place where it's like, it's coming out of, it's naturally overflowing out of you rather than a a sense of like dependency. Like I have to like constantly be, you know, that's like the people pleaser, you know, part of me, I guess, or whatever the, and so, yeah. Mm. and, And I've been lucky that I've been able to kind of grow out of that season and, and, but that doesn't, but again, like the cycles are still there because that's kind of hardwired into me. And so I was just having mm. to constantly remind myself of how my brain is functioning and how like my being is functioning and my base code and then, and making sure that I'm keeping that in check. And, um, and yeah. Another good book that I am still reading is Becoming Supernatural by Dr. Joe Dispenza. Mm. And he, he does like a lot of, brain and meditation science. So Mm -hmm. he actually like studies the brain scientifically and meditation scientifically. Mm -hmm. And like he can, has all this data that shows like how meditation helps activate and rewire the mind and different things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, The book's really good. I I feel like I've learned a lot about it and um, you know, I like you said, I don't know if you can ever truly get away from certain base codes that you're saying. Like, mm-hmm. I like that base code. But I think you can learn how to manage it. Or as soon as it starts, you can also counteract. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I've learned um, with my anger. Um, it's almost like you can't change the base code, but you could maybe add to it. Yeah, something there so to where... add something that's like, okay, like, you know... This is going to be triggered, but I'm immediately going to like fire back with this. You know? Yeah. And, or you can like, it's going to happen, right? It comes down to how quick can you recognize it and not let it take control, mm. whatever that negative part of you is, you mm. know? Um, Anger is an easy one for men. You know, we all, a lot of us, uh, I'm trying to get away from saying we all, uh, <laughs> You know, we but safely we can say quite a bit of men deal with anger issues. Sure, you know it's we just, got more testosterone. Yeah, it's <laughs> man, I you know I'm a maniac sometimes when I get angry, and it's it's bad, and it it emanates from me, and people can feel it, and I'm pretty, I've done really well throughout my life um, at points of keeping it at bay from the public. But, you know, there was plenty of times too during partying and fighting and stuff where my rage got way out of control. Um, and I'm sure there's, you know, quite a people that have seen my rage or my anger and it's ugly, you know, and it's not something I want anybody to see or experience. Um, now I think there was a time where I, I used that to, you know, instill fear in others or whatever it was Mm. in the lifestyle that I was living at one Mm -hmm. point. Um, So I embraced it, you know, Mm. it was like, it was um, a way to- Control people around you. Yeah, control or put fear, you know, but um, yeah, I think just going back to like, how, how do you, 
how do you build community? How do you get people to love people um, if we're not feeling it in Spokane? You know, like there's a lot of times I don't feel it in Spokane. Sure. And uh, honestly, that's why I do city chapters. I'm trying to foster and encourage people to be proud of Spokane. Yeah. Um, the Spokane doesn't suck thing just in, it insinuates that it does suck though. And so- <laughs> There's a group of people that believe that. Yeah, and, and there is there is that, and I grew up on that. Mm-hmm. Like when I grew up in Spokane, I mean, I don't really recall that many people that were in love with it here. That's true. I mean, I grew up definitely with this mentality of everyone wanted to get out, wanted to get out of Spokane, like they were trapped or something, you know, like we- Yeah, trapped. You know, good, but I think, you know, word. I think that, yeah, at the same time, it's funny because then those people move back to Spokane. Yeah. To like raise their families. So then they restart the cycle. <laughs> yeah. You find but, out maybe elsewhere isn't better than you thought. And I think that's the thing is I feel like that's, that's actually the thing that you're going to find in every city is the grass, it's the grass is greener, right? Like, oh, the grass is greener on the other side. And I've actually run up against that a lot with my staff that, you know, that they, they, they have in their mind, like, oh, eventually I want to move to Portland or eventually I want to move to Seattle or eventually I want to move. I want to, it'll be better once I get to there. Mm. But it's like, well, what are you doing now mm-hmm. to make like now is now, now is the present. Now mm-hmm. is where you're existing, you know, in the space time continuum, like now is mm-hmm. where you are. Yeah. So like, how are you changing your perspective and your attitude and your whatever? And one of my first bosses that I ever worked for, his advice was like, wherever you are, like plant roots as if that's like your forever home, like, and, and treat it as if you're, that's where you're supposed to be forever. And it changes kind of your focus of, and how you make decisions to be more long-term thinking, you know, and that's something I respect of the Asian culture a lot is I remember even studying in business school, you know, in America, we have our like one, five, 10 year plans, you know, like our three year business plans or whatever it is. Uh, in Japan, it's like 20, 30, 50, 100 year business plans, like dynasties. Like they're thinking mm-hmm. like so long term mm-hmm. that it's like you're going to make decisions differently, you know, and a great book to read. I actually haven't had read his book, but I've listened to a lot of his stuff around the idea of infinite game theory. So Simon Sinek, start with why, all that kind of stuff. I'm a big Simon Sinek fan, but infinite game theory is kind of one of his newer books. And, and, but it's kind of similar in the sense of, you know, if we're in business to try to put that other guy out of business, like you're, you're, you're not doing it right. Yeah. You know, like, especially if you think of that other business owner as like your neighbor, like, do I really want to destroy my neighbor's livelihood? Yeah. Or can we actually support each other so we're both thriving? Because mm. isn't the point to infinite game theory? Like, isn't the point just to keep playing the game and mm. like keep our businesses going and thriving mm. and and existing? And if if both of us are doing well, then our community is doing well, and you're able to provide for your family, and I can provide for my family, and we're doing good, and we're providing healthy competition for each other to make each other better, but we're also competing against ourselves to make ourselves better. And there's just Mm -hmm. a lot to unpack with that principle that he talks about in his book and in his research. But that's impacted me a lot in terms of 
you know, cause I, yeah, I mean, I, I loved, it's easy for anyone to love to compare grass is greener. Like, oh man, what's that company doing? Like, man, they're better at that than me. Like, I want to get better. I want to be good at that. Like, I want to do that. And, and that's great. Like that, that, yeah. that part is great. It's when you, yeah, are so focused on destroying somebody else and their business that you're, that's a sin against nature. You know what I mean? Like it's, I mean, I don't know. That's maybe an extreme making, statement, but you start making you know, short-term decisions though. What happens yeah, you're is focused you, on them. You're not mm-hmm. focused on you exactly. and what you're doing. Yeah. It becomes about them. It's not mm-hmm. even now about your product and your dream or your mission, your why anymore. I mean, if your why mm-hmm. is to take another person out, you got to rearrange <laughs> it. Yeah. It, you're only going to last for so long. You yeah. Know? And it, and until that, okay, now the guy's out and of then business what, and right? then you're there and then yeah. it's, it's over. It's the, you know, it's the classic example that Simon shares of uh, the Wright brothers and mm. the Wright brothers were trying to create flight for the first time. And they were bike, they owned a bike shop and built bikes, I guess, or something, you know, and yeah. it's like, but no one remembers the other guy that yeah. was fully funded and backed by the, the Department of Defense yeah, and all I that. About, I know that Yeah, story. and I can't even yeah. remember his name. That's literally how yeah. memorable he is. Yeah. And yeah. as soon as he lost, he quit. Yeah. He stopped. Even mm-hmm. though, like, if he was passionate truly about changing the world through mm-hmm. flight, mm-hmm. he would have been, he would have been right at their door saying, show me how you did it. Like how can how can we learn together to make it even better? Mm-hmm. And no, he's just like, oh, I lost. Okay, yeah, you know, I'm moving on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. And so I think when we're, you know, passionate about something deeper, passionate about truly trying to make the world better, and in the ways that we can through our vocations or whatever it is, uh, you know, making apparel, making cups of coffee. Um, you know, we, we have the ability to make it deeper than just the tangible thing that you're, that you're, you know, creating. So. Yeah. I, I really want to figure out how to foster and get back to that deeper sense of community, you mm-hmm. know, uh, you know, there was probably moments that I had it maybe like in young life and times when I was at the church, but I realized there was a lot of things there that just weren't for me, you know, mm-hmm. at that at that particular church I grew up in. Uh, I loved Young Life. It's just that I got out of high school, you know. <laughs> um, but like some of my most memorable and uh, favorite moments were at Young Life camps, specifically Malibu. I was able to go there two years. Um, and that was like, mm. how do I get to a place where I can help create those kind of experiences mm-hmm. as well, you know, like, cause for me, I just want to, I want to get into the realm of like, how do, you know, you cultivate community connection, like you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to really do that as well as cultivating like amazing experiences, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, cause I want to experience them. I see things that I'm like, I don't know where this exists. So if I can, <laughs> if I can create it, I know others will enjoy it too. And I don't expect everybody would want to be a part of what I want to do or that they have interest, but I know there will be plenty that do as well. Mm-hmm. Um, what's, what's cool is that I think, you know, there are a lot of little pockets of, community going on you know i know 
you know, like we have a running community, we have a basketball community and, Mm -hmm. you know, community kind of happens around like, like similar interests and things like that. And, Mm -hmm. um, but it takes a certain level of intentionality, you know, um, to like intentionally like look up that organization or that running club or that gym or, Mm-hmm. You know, but when you start, it's funny though, when you start looking around that like people are like humans are desperate for connection and community and you see it happening um, in those places because that's what they're, you know, Sheena just started going to a CrossFit gym and she went there and realized she knew a lot of the people there. She's like, whoa. And the thing that she loves most about it is the community that she's found there. Yeah. Not just going and working out and leaving. It's like, it's the fact that like, as soon as she walked in, someone walked up to her and was like, Hey, are you new here? Like, let me show you around. Yeah. And then awesome. seeing all the other people that she knew from the community and, and you yeah, know, my gym is yeah. not like that. <laughs> my gym is not like that at all. <laughs> Well, I'll hook you up afterwards. <laughs> no, sorry, but it's, hmm. you know, I think that, gosh, you know, like that's, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I think, you know, if we're all striving to try and, I don't know, if we're all strive to connect and it's the whole like love your neighbor, you know, comes down to it. Yeah. You know, the, the ultimate call, like there was a one year, like I think it was two or three years ago, I really felt like that year was the theme for me of growth was trying to deconstruct everything down to what ultimately is the most important thing. And and it, it just boiled it all down as just, you know, loving God and loving people is kind of what it boiled down to for me, mm-hmm. you know. And ultimately at the end of the day, that's – if I focus on those things, I guess I can't, you know, fail. Like, hmm. but, but it's also the most complicated thing, you know? Yeah. Cause I was going to ask <laughs> this question, how do you perceive loving people, but also at the same time, like protecting yourself and your family mm. and your business, right? Because like loving people entails that you're going to be there for them, no matter what they're going through. Right. And Right. That's like the traditional kind of thought of love. So I think that scares people to be like, oh, to love people. I can't show these people love because then they're going to be attached to me or they think they can get stuff from me. And there's like all this that oh, comes. Oh, that's been a journey right? for us. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's all that that comes with it. So like, I find it, that's where I struggle with it. Like, I want to love people, but then it's like, you show some But like peop- to a limit. Yeah, but then it's like, whoa, like, hold up. Like, I mean, yes, mm. like, but that's too much, you know? Mm. Now we're going too far with, you know, my personal space or, sure. you know, you thinking that we're at a way deeper level of love than we are, you know, sure. you know what I mean? So how do well, you- I think, uh, I mean, that's a great kind of perspective or thought to bring up because- I think one thing that I've had to learn over the years is I've definitely tipped the scale too far one direction where Mm -hmm. I loved on an employee beyond really what was actually loving to the entire company. Mm. So like, I think you can't be blinded to like, oh man, I really need to pour all my love into this one individual at the expense of basically loving everyone else in the community and everyone and in my own family. Like you said, like mm-hmm. protecting your family, all the things. So I think mm-hmm. learning healthy boundaries was a very important thing. Mm-hmm. And like, where do we draw these boundaries? Where do things go to? And that's okay. 
Yeah. Like that doesn't mean you don't love them. Exactly. It yeah. means if anything, you, you love them even more because you're trying to teach them like these, there's some healthy boundaries here. Yeah. Um, and the big thing that I've learned a lot through sh- sh- my wife, Sheena is just the concept of enabling too. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, you can also be an enabler, mm-hmm. even though you could almost use the justification as like, well, I'm loving them mm-hmm. by doing X, Y, and Z. Well, are you or are you just enabling their lifestyle or whatever it is that they're doing? Like, yeah. are you actually not? So, you know, everyone knows tough love, you know, tough love, things yeah. like that. I'm, but it's, I'm big about the tough love. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a certain point where it's like, I'm not going to accept We your love bullshit. you, but <laughs> these are your healthy boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, we're not going to yeah. put up with X, Y, and Z. And yeah. we've literally kicked family out of our house because it's like you, yeah. you, you're, you've breached it. Like it's done. Like we've we were clear. The same. So I'm yeah. sorry, you're gone. Yeah. yeah. You know, like you're not doing that. Under, I've had to do the same. So it's. Yeah. You know, we love you and we'll we'll help you get out of here, but it's, you got to go, you know? Yeah. And so I think that that's the thing that's, it's tough. You know, people are tough. They're complicated. There's lots of mm-hmm. things and people are messy. And I mean, I was just on the phone with a guy who's in jail right now and he's mm-hmm. going to be sent off to Eastern here pretty soon. And he's someone that I have Eastern a relationship with. Yeah. Like yeah. he has someone yeah. that I have a relationship with and mm-hmm. it's grown to the point where, you know, yeah. he can reach out to me. And I can do what I can with my limited bandwidth to assist and help. But yeah. obviously he has a lot of work that he's got to do, you know, and um, and I can't do it for him. And even like you said, like even if you want to change, sometimes it's it's still hard to change. Even if like you consciously mm-hmm. want to change, mm-hmm. you, certain things just kind of have to happen, you know. Um, you know, people call it rock bottom sometimes or whatever. But there has to, there's certain series of events I feel like, you know, that that need to happen. Um, and so, and, and again, it doesn't change. It doesn't mean that I don't love him. Uh, I love him, and I want to support him and see him healthy and yeah, you know, and things. And um, so, man, it's yeah, loving people is uh, it's messy, it's hard, it's tough. But uh, at but the same time, choosing love is the best way. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I think my quote on our Instagram right now is a quote from Nelson Mandela. And it's like basically the effect of like love is kind of more of our default state, you know, like it's, it's, we're wired to love and it's when we're not loving and when we're feeding into the other side that it's destructive, you know, to, Mm. to ourselves, to our community, to, so, um, but yeah, like, like you, like you and anger, sometimes it just, start blacking out and then it just starts taking control you know mm. and whether or not you call that you know evil or whatever you know you want to call it but sometimes i just real i feel like there's you know there's there's something out there you know that's call it evil or whatever it is but there's a battle mm. oh there's a war man there's a war there's man. a war if it's in my mind my soul whatever the world like there's yeah because it blows my mind it, even though it shouldn't it still blows my mind that there's things going on in this world that to our fellow humans and to the planet and to whatever. And it's like, why, why? <laughs> like, it's, I don't, I don't it's, understand. <laughs> it's literally just insane what happens and what people do to each other and the darkness that's in the world. I mean, you know, I want to author a book and, uh, 
the title is the war of success mm. because and and success I don't mean like business success I mean life success like how do you how do you get to a place in this life where you have a good balance of all the things that make a good life a good successful life mm-hmm. and um man my experience is there are definite this is my experience I can't speak for others and what what others believe but what I believe is there is great purpose for my life, but there are evil forces that have been at work to try to prevent me from attaining what I'm supposed to do while I'm here. Mm. But that's my belief. And a lot of other people in my life that are close to me have seen it at work, like have seen the dark forces on me, Mm. literally like where, you know. I've been to Africa, man. There's some crazy crap going on over there. I'll I, tell you what. I would imagine. <laughs> and yeah. I, I've only seen, you know, and heard, but I've never mm-hmm. been there. And, like, it, it's it's scary, man. Like, mm-hmm. um, as I've gotten to a healthier place within myself, within my 30s, but specifically within the last year, I, like, look back and at my life, and uh, I don't have regret, but I just am, like, man, I was so sick, like so lost. Like mm. like the things that I did to myself and the places I chose to be and the, 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 the just abuse that I did to myself. Mm-hmm. It's just like, what was wrong with me mm. that I would do those things to myself because I didn't even come from that bad of an environment. I had some hard things happen growing up, but like, I guess some of those hard things just threw me down into a pattern of making poor decisions that just took me to a really dark, ugly, evil place. I mean, there there was a point I remember embracing evil, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm that's what I'm about, like that dark force, that dark energy, like just I just kind of give into it. Yeah, like I was, you know, not going to you know, like I was just about it. Like I didn't like I felt it literally people could see it mm. like people you know from that time be like dude you used to come in a room like people be scared dog like mm. some you know you just had that that strong energy you know i think my energy's always been strong um and then it's wavered at times because of my uncertainty but when i'm in a certain mode whether it was at the time negative or more as i built up certainty in my positive nature now you know, there's an essence that you exude when you are in alignment with whatever you're deciding to be in. Mm. And it can be the, it can be the dark side. If you're in alignment with the dark side and, and, and that's what you choose and decide, and there's no unwavering there, mm-hmm. then it's going to be powerful. Mm-hmm. But if you're uncertain there, you're, you know, the people that are really in the life are going to take advantage of you. Mm-hmm. But if you're positive, and we're always going to waver, there's always oh, yeah. there's always some some of that going on. But the stronger you are in whatever discipline you choose, whether it's good or evil, you know, the more you're going to exude a certain energy and a vibration in your environment. Um, well, it's interesting because I feel like I feel like almost like sometimes when you're on the right path mm-hmm. or on a path that. Like right path, whatever that yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. When you're on a path I, yeah. where you almost sense that, like, man, this is going to have such a powerful impact, mm-hmm. and like, that's like when you get attacked. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? 
it's like, you know, if you believe in the devil or evil forces or whatever, like it's almost as if like, well, if you're not doing anything to change yeah. the world, then they're just going to leave you alone. Yeah. But if you're a world changer and mm -hmm. you're out there and you're like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to mm -hmm. change my city. Exactly. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, and you've been gifted with the ability to have a presence. Yeah. Like it's going to come in there and it's going to be like, no, I'm going to. I'm going to shift it and I'm going to use you to, to my own desires, mm. you know, and, and we don't know what that is. You know, we don't, I've, I've never been to another dimension or anything, you know, like, I don't know, you know, like it's, you know, and obviously there's tons of different world religions trying to figure it all out, but mm. it's clearly there's something. And I think that, yeah, you know, as humans, that's where community becomes even more important because where my strength is might be where your weakness is and we can support each other. Yeah. And the more that we're vulnerable and real and authentic and transparent with each other, the better that we can actually work together as a team, right? 100%. Like if we're a team working together and I don't know what you suck at, I don't know where I need to come in and help you if you're mm -hmm. about to, to deal with that. Right. Mm -hmm. So if I know that, Hey, like your struggle with whatever it is, we're out, we're out doing something together and I'm seeing something like, oh, bro, like I can come over and pull you out of that situation yeah. before you sink into it, right? Mm -hmm. Because we're in a community together. We know yeah. each other. We're vulnerable. We know yeah. each other's weaknesses. Like, oh, man, Bobby's about to, you know, go, mm -hmm. <laughs> go what, or Bobby just like got destroyed at whatever it is and I know how it's going to affect him. So I'm going to go over there and grab him and be like, bro, yeah. like, are you yeah. all right? Like, you're good, man. Like, you know, yeah, that's I'm sorry you screwed up the drink. Like, it's fine. You know, right. like yeah. just make another one, you know, like, yeah. but I, you know, communities is so important because yeah, there, I, I truly do believe that there's something, you know, bigger and out there than us. And we have to, you know, that we're fighting that's beyond just, you know, each other, you know, yeah. humans are just messed up individuals by themselves. I can't even, I mean, the fact that I feel like there's a spiritual, you know, battle going on too is just next level, you know? Isn't so. there, I, I think this is from the Bible, but doesn't it say somewhere where two or more people are in the, uh, together? Sure. What is it? Where two or more are gathered, yeah. That, that God's like with us. Yeah, so mm -hmm. I think, you know, there's so much in the Bible where it's about ancient, like philosophy and knowledge on community and the human experience and mm -hmm. all of these things, right? And there is that power when you are together as a group, as a community, that that mastermind, that that whole essence that is talked about. And, um, I, you know, for me over the last few years, it's like, okay, so where do I really fit in now that mm -hmm. I've separated myself? And I think I'm going through a, a period of time of, you know, uh, God or the universe, whatever you want to call it, putting me through, okay, you're in like this stage where you have to really prove yourself in a different way than you've ever had to before, before mm. we start opening up possibilities for you again, because mm. you've made the same mistakes over and over and over again. And it's going to be harder for you to get up and get going again this time. Mm. And uh, I, but that's just my experience. That's how I interpret what's happening to me. Um, I definitely, and I've read somewhere in a book, just what you talked about, like you're not going to allocate your forces against an enemy that is not a problem, mm -hmm. you know, or. Well, one of my favorite books is uh, 
screw tape letters oh, okay. from uh, C.S. Lewis, like you screw know. tape letters. Huh? And basically, it's a famous like C.S. Lewis is a famous author. You know, yeah, Christian he wrote Narnia. Right? Yeah, all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, right. But he's also like a theologian and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But screw tape letters, like someone told me about in college, and I actually didn't read it. I cheated and did the audible, like you mm-hmm. know, audiobook. But it was kind of cool because it was like a British accent and all that. Mm. But um, but the whole book is basically letters from like demons to each other. Mm. So screw tape, I think, is like the name of one of the demons and it's talking and they're writing. It's like a mentor mm. and like, you know, mentee kind of relationship between these two demons. And mm. and it, it kind of like got me thinking about like that spiritual nature and, and you know, talk about different people and be like, oh, yeah, he started going to church now. And he's like, OK, well, the battle's not over. Now we just got to make him complacent and make him do nothing, like make the mm. rest of his life basically unfruitful. Mm. you know and so it's just like different things like that where it's just like gets you thinking of like oh man like like you know like if there is a spiritual battle going on if there is something you know in a different dimension or whatever around us that's affecting us um you know it just got my battle cry kind of going i was like i'm not gonna let some demon like control me or whatever Mm. you know like i you know like i want to i want to have a story that is lasting and i'll leave a legacy of trying to create something better you know and and i think that if anything that's what you know gets me pumped is this idea that you know we can we can leave something we can create a community that's better. Like, like if we truly did work together as a community and as a people, like we can make this world a better place. Like it really, we could, Yeah. you know, um, if we could just, you know, hold hands and work together and truly try to learn how to empathize and mm-hmm. connect. And, and it's just, um, you know, humanity is exists and survived evolution because we are a community species. Yes. You know, um, I think the early, the pre-homo sapien like species, they failed. They were very isolated and very, they didn't really live in community. They kind of were out there trying to survive and those species failed. But the ones that, the homo sapiens that survived were tribal and they worked together as a community and they built things together. And they, you know, like mm-hmm. they, just like basic things in survival, like trying to do it by yourself versus like, literally just one other person to be able to lift something up, mm-hmm. build a canopy or whatever it is. Like mm-hmm. we literally are designed to like work together mm-hmm. to create something that's bigger and better for everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we can do it. I think we can, you know, and, and we just have to start breaking down and acknowledging and building empathy and, um, and hopefully understanding a common that we're part of a common family. Like it's still, I think being raised in like a half Korean, half American like household has allowed me to really objectively see the world in a different way. And like both Mm. an Eastern and Western mentality of Mm. this collectivism that you get from like the Eastern kind of world and Asian cultures. And then also the individual strengths that you get as in the Western world of like, you know, competition and individuality and entrepreneurship but there has to be this like tension of both of those, like this yin and yang where they're coming together uh, to create something better and stronger. And so acknowledging that we win when we all win, 
but that doesn't mean that we can't compete with each other to make each other better mm-hmm. and have that that entrepreneurial fire to like create things and compete and but we're I all, love friendly competition. Yeah, but yeah, we're doing that for the sake of not destroying our neighbor, but yeah. like making each other stronger, making our community stronger. Um, mm-hmm. I think that that's there's something there. There's a solution there somewhere where we can hopefully get to the point where. But then it's discouraging when. Well, I think for me, how I kind of uh, viewed it at this point is, you know, it'll never exist where we're all on the same page, doing the same thing, feeling this love and community. It just, I I don't believe that's actually possible because I believe in yin-yang. I believe in balance. I think there's wars and things at play that are way beyond our understanding I mean, I'm honestly baffled when I just wake up and drive down here to the studio sometimes. <laughs> like just all the people doing whatever they're doing. Dude, I was these... just in Seattle. There's so many people, it's, like dude, different I, people. Like... I like when I drive into Seattle, I'm like, we are on a main vein right now. This yeah. is a main vein and all these sales are coming to this correlation of this energy center. Like it's weird. It's wild. Stuff's man. weird to me. That's just, <laughs> I, I just am like, I don't know what's possible. And I think... Yeah, You know, the more that people like me and you can encourage, like, we don't know what's right or what's the truth, but we do know if we choose love and to take care of people and to care about people, our world's going to be a better place. So you can either choose to, you know, do that or not. Yeah. But we want to connect and encourage people to join that. Yeah. And, and that's all we can do, you know, and the more each one person that we can get to be a part of that um, viewpoint or help them see things different from the way that they may be seeing it now. Because trust me, I've been in that place where I hated the world. I hated myself. I wanted to kill myself. I wanted to kill others. And I damn near was close to all of those things. Mm. And I've kissed, been like, you know, a hair's length away from kissing that all Mm. goodbye. You know what I mean? To each one of those things. I mean, um, So I I know what the darkness is like and I know what hatred is like. I know, but I've also luckily, thank thank God, I guess literally is that (laughs) I I always had a calling back in me that, you know, I knew I was doing wrong and I knew that I was meant for something higher than this. And I knew Mm -hmm. that there was still good in me, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's taken me a long time to really get back to understanding that and believing that, and then consistently making choices that are in alignment with that. Mm -hmm. That was really the biggest thing for me is like, okay, discovering self-love and self-respect, but then to be able to actually consistently make decisions that are in alignment with that, that was really difficult process as well. well, I think that's the big, I mean, that's a big thing, that, you know, that whoever's listening to the podcast is just, you know, I'd encourage you to recognize that we were, we're all designed in our unique way to make this world better somehow. Mm-hmm. And that is yeah. like our deep calling. And there's some sort of energy or force that's trying to keep us from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that even our the amazing thing is that even the negative experiences in our life actually just make us more powerful at being a world changer. Mm-hmm. You know, like the most powerful, like, you know, pastors out there or missionaries are the ones who were addicts, who were on the street, who were like, who yeah. did like have to deal with that stuff because that is the experiences that 
that they needed that shaped them and made them uniquely powerful for helping others get out of that, mm, right? Right. And so, like, you know, I could never go and and deal with those things because I never had to struggle with addictions or whatever, things like that. Like, I can't speak with them with my own personal testimony to that thing. Right. Um, but can I go and help other business owners that have gone through or are going through the similar things that I've gone through when I was starting my business and like struggling and trying to, trying to keep it alive and learn and adapt. And, and so that's what I'm trying to do now is like, how am I, you know, I, I almost, it's weird, but I almost hate like charging people for my time, even though like people are like, you, you know, you have knowledge, like your knowledge and experience, like you should start consulting and like, and like sharing that with people. And, um, and cause I just want to give it away, but I also have three kids to feed and, you know, a mortgage and stuff. And so mm. I've been trying to like do that on the side of like, how can I bless people with some of my knowledge and experience and hopefully help them be successful and what they feel called to do using my experiences and my unique, you know, upbringing and knowledge. And, um, and so I think that that's, if we can all position ourselves in acknowledging that, you know, we're all uniquely created, uh, with infinite worth to be world changers, you know, and uh, not let the darkness, you know, keep us down and keep us from that because um, mm -hmm. there's enough of it out there, man. It's, yeah, know, so. Yeah, it just comes down to making the choice of how, what side are you gonna be on? What are you gonna choose? You're gonna choose love or you're gonna choose the evil, darkness, hate, whatever it yeah. is, or, or the, like, I'm a type three man. I choose love. Love wins. <laughs> like so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> everything's taught me love always wins in the end. So why do I want to be on the losing side? I might as well. Exactly, you know. <laughs> man. That's 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 also a great point. <laughs> I don't want to burn forever. I don't know about you, but <laughs> you know, I would rather be like, hey, I'd rather err on the side of the side of goodness and like trying to bring goodness back in. You know, we none of us know at the end of the day what's going to happen after we die, but. I'd rather err on the side of of doing my best, you know. So, yeah, dude, how much time we got left? We just keep talking. Uh, <laughs> typically, we go to uh, two hours. I think we're two hours. Oh man, I didn't we're even at, realize. We're at one twenty six right now. We're at one twenty six. We can I, wrap it up. I didn't realize you talked for two hours. I mean, well, we've been at an hour and a half now. Nice. Uh, so we can wrap it up. No, we don't need to wrap it up. If there's another topic, I mean, what's a good uh, topic you want to kind of transition into? Yeah, we can just transition more into uh, some some of Indaba directly again. Sure. Uh, so actually, one question I wanted to ask is doubling back to when, in the beginning of our conversation, you went to South Africa. Mm -hmm. What was the reason that you went there? Well, I originally went as part of my graduate studies. I had to have a uh, internship on my um, as part of my summer uh, between to get credits, and so I I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what I wanted to do or whatever, and so I had an opportunity given to me from a friend of mine who was on a board. And anyway, so I was able to basically create my own internship because he was part of this um, nonprofit that did work in South Africa, and so. He's like, he's like, I'll go and talk to the board and, and we'll see. And so I got basically an all expense trip to South Africa and a place to stay and everything. And I was there for about two months and then I was able to basically 
do whatever I wanted in terms of like creating my own internship program. And so how it worked was I spent the first month just visiting nonprofits in the community. And mm -hmm. so we were just south of Durban um, in the area of Port Shepstone, um, which is a smaller community. Um, but there was uh, a few nonprofits doing different things. So HIV AIDS was, I mean, it's still a big thing, but back then it was kind of, I feel like at one of its peaks of just, of just being a struggle and medication was just starting to kind of become available to fight it. Mm -hmm. And so one, one nonprofit was doing a lot of just in-home like visits um, and so I got to go with them and literally go into these shanty towns, um, where there's no power electricity and there's just sewage going through, you know, and people were just living in little shanty shacks and, and they would just visit them to basically check on them and see how they could help and try to get them medication if they could. Um, but they were just battling a lot of different things. I mean, they were battling a lot of. Uh, false information around the medication, thinking that it would um, basically it wasn't real or it was mm. just a trick. Or I mean, there were there mm. was at the time where I was just learning a lot of new things. Like uh, I mean, there was like even some tribes that believed in order to get rid of HIV and AIDS, you had to like have sex with a virgin in order to like heal yourself. I was like, this is mind blowing. Like, like I can't even believe like these things yeah. existed. Yeah. Um, and so obviously you'd be seeing all these like young women getting raped and obviously then getting HIV and like, it's just like this crazy thing Damn. happening on, you know, literally like just like a ridiculous amount of people dying like every day, you know? And then, and then to learn that they, we literally had the medication to keep them alive, but they wouldn't even take it. Um, uh, and then the ones that they would take uh, the medication, you have to stay on it for the rest of your life um, because if you stop, uh, the virus like is it's no longer effective. So then you have to change to a different medication. And at the time, they only had three different types. And so once you've gone through all three, then none of them work anymore. And what would happen is they start feeling better, so then they stop taking it, and then they become immune to it, and then they go, and then to meet people coming into the clinic that I worked at that were on the, they were on the last one, they don't have anything, they're dying. I remember going into the clinic one day that I was at, and I was just working in the office, you know, and uh, just hear this wailing and screaming, and it was like the most horrific cry you've ever heard like in your life and then i go out there to see what's going on and she's literally like laying flat like a plank and you've got like six people holding her up and like carrying her into the counselor's office because she just found out that her mom died overnight you know from uh, hiv aids and she literally just talked with her the night before and then came in the next day and she's gone and she's just hysterical like and it's just it was just a mind-blowing experience of i've never really experienced like death like that and like just that much death and that much like yeah. pain and like and something that literally like is preventable because we have the science and technology to prevent it but it's it still happens because there's so much just education and access to them and you know if anything it taught me i do not want to go into the medical profession like i could not handle it like that's just like life and death every day like Man, that, that was just a life-changing experience, just seeing that level of poverty and pain and 
um, realizing that like my problems are, are like nothing. Yeah. Nothing compared to like what these people what experience the entire, every day. Like culture, entire, like, like millions of people, you know, like are struggling with and deal with. And so I think, you know, I'm a big believer that everyone has got to, to go on some sort of, um, either studying abroad or like, man, shoot, join the Peace Corps, like do something, but experience parts of the world that are in extreme poverty like that, because it will, it will wake you up mm-hmm. to realizing that you've like, we joke when we say like first world problem or whatever, but it, it, it's not a joke at the same no, time it's, because it's yeah, like, ridiculous. it's crazy yeah. out there. Um, and people like what's going on in Ukraine, like just like, like the amount of just death and like destruction and like it's like I thought we were past this. Like I thought we were a civil like a culture and a civilization that was beyond like physical war. I thought we at this point I thought it was just economic war and like you know what I mean. Like mm. and to see that there's still literally people just killing other people like it's just mind blowing to me. So I mean, uh, just even within our own city, like oh, the yeah. amount of murders that are happening and. Yeah. But yes, I mean, then you go to a place like you're saying, like Ukraine or like um, South Africa at, at the time. And um, I've seen uh, a village way out in the Maya jungle, like where these people were living, you know, it was, it was eye awakening for me. But um, yeah. I, I want to do more like actual work, you know, amongst something like what you're talking about. And, you know, that's where I would love to get city chapters too, where it's actually involved with community work, you know, issues abroad, issues domestically, all those kinds of things. Because that's, I mean, that's really what I want to get this organization to be about. One is to you know, have individuals on this podcast. I think it's a great place where I'm starting from, from breaking outside of clothing with the podcast because it's getting me these conversations with people and helping me learn and understand. Um, and also to have deeper connections with you. Like I obviously know a lot more about the way you think now and um, mm-hmm. the way you kind of view the world is uh, very similar to my viewpoints and my experiences. and. Um, yeah, so I, I've traveled a bit, but not, not like that, not for like extended periods of times and not for a cause like Mm. that. Mine have always been basically vacation based essentially. Mm. And, um, there's something that's been calling to me for a while where it's like, I do want to go overseas and like enter and do a program where I'm just at service to people. Mm -hmm. Um, because I, I've you get so wrapped up in our society about you, you know, like you, like I, me, it's me, my problems, my, what do I need to do to get me to a better place? Mm -hmm. It's never about how do you raise up others with you uh, most of the time, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, we talk about that, but there's so much that doesn't really seemingly align with what we talk about, you know, Mm -hmm. like, uh, yeah. I know that that 
there's amazing people doing amazing things in our city, in other cities, in other mm-hmm. communities that are really making big change. So, um, and you know, it's probably all to me that I'm not involving myself with more of what's going on. And that's something that I know that I need to start taking more action on is being a part of things that are going on and just showing up because I haven't been really showing up to a lot of things just um, for, you know, my own personal things that I had going on. But now that I'm like back at this place, it's like, okay, I do need to start being more involved in the community. I'm trying to build a community-based organization brand. You Mm -hmm. know, there's certain responsibilities that I believe come with that, you know, by my own standard. Um, Mm. So... Well, maybe one great way you you can help give back is maybe bring some folks on to your show that are doing great work in the city. Yeah. You know, I even looking up at the wall here, I mean, like Spokane River Keepers, things like that. But there's like there's ministries, nonprofits, faith or non-faith based that are on the front lines. And that's why, like, I never really felt called to go to Africa. Like, I, I felt called to Spokane. I felt like... Yeah. To find out that West Central is the poorest neighborhood in the state of Washington, like my own hometown, like what? Like there, like there are neighbors in need right here. Mm-hmm. You don't have to fly to another country. Yeah. To uh, you know, and then obviously in the last few years, like homelessness is huge right now. Yeah. It's, like it's a huge. I mean, Camp Hope, yeah. right? Is like, I don't, I don't, I don't think anyone knows the right answer, and I don't know if there is a right answer, quote unquote, but. Because I would, I would hope that people on both sides of the aisle genuinely are trying to figure out how to help people and mm-hmm. and do the, and make the right decision. But there's a lot of factors that go into that, and a lot of you know opinions that go into that. But like uh, I forget the guy's name, but he does a lot of work with the homeless. It'd be interesting to bring him in here and like get yeah. his perspective on on homelessness and and the best ways that as a community, how can we support them? Like, mm-hmm. do we give them a hundred dollar bill when we see them standing there on the corner or, mm-hmm. you know, um, one little way that, that Indaba tries is, um, we have a coffee subscription service. Yeah. And so you're going to get a box of, you know, once a month or once a week or every couple of weeks with coffee in it. And so I was just like, what if we found a way to try and encourage, because part of our goal is to encourage other people to love people too, like yeah. cultivate connection. And and so I was like, what if we put a little card in there? So we have a little card in there with a little inspirational quote from Nelson Mandela and stuff about doing good in the world. And on the back side, it says, like, we encourage you to turn this box into a little gift box or like a love, an Adaba love box mm-hmm. uh, and fill it full of things that like a homeless person would need. Like, mm. just necessity things, like socks, right, is, like, one of the top mm. things, right? Mm. But just basic things, and there's, like, a list. Mm-hmm. And we check off one of the boxes already because every time you buy a bag of coffee from us, we provide a meal to somebody um, working with the local food bank. And so we're like, okay, we've already provided a meal for someone now. Like, yeah, fill this box full of stuff, tape it up, put it in your car. The next time you're driving around, you see somebody just be like, hey. You know, because I'm a big believer that I don't think, I mean, there's definitely instances where some people just need cash. Mm-hmm. Like the other day, someone, I could tell they were trying to fill up their gas tank and they were upset. Their card wasn't working. They were visibly upset, like they needed to go and get their kid or whatever. And I'm kind of listening in on their conversation. I never give anybody cash, like ever. But I just was like, you know what? Like, mm-hmm. 
I'm going to buy their, you know, I'm going to get them some gas. Mm-hmm. Like, Here, here's some money for gas. Like I didn't have time to just give them like stand there, you know, but you know, a little gift box or go buy them a meal or do something, you know, those are little ways because I feel like a lot of that is that actually going to like end homelessness, homelessness? No, but is it going to help maybe hopefully reposition your heart a little bit and maybe shape you to lean more into empathy and love? Um, Because a lot of times it's more for you and trying to shape you and not in a way that's like patting yourself on the back, like I'm a good Mm -hmm. person, Mm -hmm. but hopefully changing your posture of like your attitude towards other humans, right? Versus like an attitude of like, oh, that guy's an idiot. Like he must've made bad decisions. Like he's a horrible, he's homeless because he's dumb or whatever it is. That one drives me crazy. Yeah, to like, no, that's a fellow human being who's in need and it, and who knows what their story is? Well, you don't know their story. Exactly. That's what I try to tell people that try to pass judgment on homeless people. I'm like, you probably cannot even imagine what that person has been through, what they grew up in, mm-hmm. what they were born into, the abuse that they encountered. Now, surely, yeah, some people just made bad decisions along the way. But a majority of those people, the cards are stacked against them. You do not end up like that if you were raised in a decent environment. Most people do not. Mm. It's because you, it's you're born into something that is so f- messed up mm-hmm. that you can't figure out how to take care of yourself or do right by yourself. Like, and plenty of us that are born into decent situations have a hard time. Great mm-hmm. situations have a hard time with it. Yeah. You know, the saving grace. You have a support some, structure. You have a support structure. These people might not have even a family that to you, even lean on they to. Were, you, know? you know, they could be born addicted to meth. They mm. could be born addicted to heroin. They could be, there's all sorts of factors that come into play that are beyond our understanding of just seeing them on the corner and being like, oh, they're just a fucked up person. Mm-hmm. And they don't deserve anything because they have choices. Mm-hmm. And that's the one that really pisses me off too. Like, well, everybody's got choices. Yes, we all got choices. Your choices were never the same as theirs. So don't pass mm-hmm. judgment on them. Mm-hmm. You, you, like, I, like some people I know, I know them. I'm like, you haven't been through hardly anything mm-hmm. to pass judgment on this person and what they probably came from. Mm-hmm. And you can barely handle a hard situation great yourself Mm. imagine what these people went through and whether they want to be mad about what i'm saying or not but that's (laughs) that's that's the truth most of those people like you think people want to live like that Mm -hmm. you think they chose this like so you don't think they'd rather be in a nice house somewhere you know yeah like the it would you know so but um you are right in saying that I should have those people on because that's already been in the works um, and that's something I want to do. That's really some some of the most important people I do want to talk to, to learn from, to see how maybe I can get city chapters involved in helping, you know, some of these organizations or promoting them or whatever it is that I can become a part of that, um, that help yeah, system. Yeah, because I think, I think, you know... I think the people that are doing the tough work don't get enough. Um, I agree. Time, you know. I agree, dude. Uh, you know, there's straight up. They're 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 because they're. I mean, they're busy being on the ground, like you know, and Whoa. handing out water bottles or trying to set up a warming shelter or 
cooling shelter or, you know, and then a lot of times they just become political pawns or tools and they try to get over. But they don't have a platform to speak on. Yeah. And if they do, it's a little clip on the news, on the for, news a sh- yeah. for a short for a short oh, little yeah. second. Yeah. So, yeah, it's yeah. True. Um, the biggest thing for me is I wanted to get comfortable with doing this podcast and speaking to people and learning how to do interviews. If I'm, if I'm good at it, do I need, how much work do I need to do at it? And there will always be work to be done, but, um, you know, this will be, I believe our 14th chapter so I'm I'm getting to that comfortability level where I'm like, all right, I could start talking to people that I don't know mm-hmm. about deeper matters that I really have interest in and learning from these people. Because right now, honestly, I'm kind of using this podcast as an educational system for myself, you know, to learn and speak with others and to create that connection, to create that community of individuals that are now have some ties to city chapters, whether it's just that podcast and us sitting for that time. But now I know you at a level decent enough to where, hey, I can send you an email or I can call you or, mm-hmm. you know, have you on the podcast again when there's something great going on that you accomplished or, you know, or yeah. there's a pressing matter that we need to speak about in our community. And city chapters podcast could become that that one one of the platforms, just one of the platforms that people can listen in on and you could learn something for, if you really want to get involved. Well, these people can literally tell you because they're running organizations that are in the trenches like you're mm-hmm. you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So me and you, man, we think a lot of like, there's a lot of like, just like um, symbiotic thoughts that we have. So yeah, I really, you know, appreciate that because that is the vision. I definitely want to have individuals on um, and that's going to start soon. You yeah. Know. So you got the mayor coming next week? Is that- <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure I'm ready for city the mayor. City chapters. I mean, city mayor. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's, uh, you know, I think that you're, you're taking a step that of getting, putting yourself out there. Like you said, like warming up with people that, you know, bringing them on. Um, but yeah, I mean, prepping some questions, bro, like, and, and having some tough questions for people and, you know, and having them ready. Like if you're meeting with someone who's working with homeless, like, you know, like a good question is like, what is like one thing that someone in Spokane can do this week to help end the homelessness? Mm. You know, I'd love to know from a community leader who works with homeless every day. I want to know too. I mean, is it going down and buying someone a meal? Is it like writing a check to this organization? Is it maybe just going down to camp? Like I've never, I drive by Camp Hope. My roastery is actually right down the street there. I drive by it like almost every day. I live right up the hill from it. So So it's like, but have I ever stopped? No, probably because I have have this sense of like fear or whatever, Mm. but. You know what was crazy is I saw that starting. Yeah. I would drive by that every day and I saw the very first like RV too, that yeah. saw, that sat there and I thought to myself, yeah. I, I knew it was coming. And the first flashback that I had was South Africa. Because mm. I would literally, my commute to work in South Africa, I would drive right past something just like that mm. every day. Wow. And after about like 20 days or so, I started to like not, not, not like purposely, but automatically just start ignoring it you know when you're on yeah. your commute yeah and i caught myself mm-hmm. and i was like this is what's this is 
this is what happens to people. Like mm-hmm. it's the humans, like we start to put blinders on mm-hmm. and we, and that's how that ends up continuing because we ignore that it. separation factor. Yeah. Literally yeah. the richest people in the world in South Africa living next to the poorest people in the world. Yeah. I mean, I literally, I was staying at someone's uh, property, a uh, flat from the church that donated like a flat. And it's literally just the guest house to their main house that's in a gated community that has a pool that overlooks the ocean. And I'm literally staying in this place as I'm like doing work in like a poor thing. Every day I was going through culture shock. Like, I don't I don't know how people could live there. Like you're literally mm. surrounded by like so much wealth and poverty. Like mm. you almost, be, you literally do, you become numb to it. Like you become numb to Oh, that's just, that's just how it is. And that, that kind of ties back to that, like love and protection too, because I think deep down the reason that we try to like look down or scoff at homeless people is that really you are terrified that, Mm. you know, that could be you. Mm. And that's, that's so scary for people to really acknowledge and put themselves in that person's shoe so they they try to, you know, act like they're above mm-hmm. when they really know, like deep down, we all really truly know that that could be you. Oh yeah. And that in itself is so terrifying to people that they act in ways to defend themselves from that thought that I'm better, you know, mm. that I'm better than you mm. comes out. I'm better than you because look at what I have or the car I'm driving while you're standing there. Or I made better all, choices. You know, and yeah. oh yeah, we, that that one, that <laughs> one gets me like, yes, we all do have choices. All our choices were not presented the same way. That's true. And that's just- What's the whole yeah. classic? Yeah, the yeah. cards are stacked against you, right? Like, yeah. I mean, you're you're dealt, everyone's dealt a different hand. Yeah. You know, like, you know, we up. can't all be, you know, like, the crazy connection is Elon Musk, for example, was born into a wealthy South African family. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't come from nothing. Mm-hmm. He came from something and just created more something. And I think that's so. really just a cover-up story because he's an alien. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. Yeah. He's not real. He, he's, or a, he's not a human. He's not a human. He's a whole, <laughs> we can go into a whole conversation about spaceships and stuff but yeah my my dad saw one when he was a kid and took a picture of it so i've seen two um yeah you've seen two personally yeah so one it's gonna uh, turn into a spaceship uh ufo podcast (laughs) yeah let's get there we can we can do it and then close it out but um (laughs) where were you i can say what i saw now uh one, this was back in the day. I used to, this is at a time I was smoking weed. So granted, <laughs> but this weed was not hallucinogenic. So um, as far as you knew, yeah. Okay. Yeah, as far as I knew. <laughs> I don't know if it was laced or what, but uh, anyway, we were smoking. We were out actually in Indian Trail and uh, we're sitting there, we're smoking in a car and all of a sudden, middle of the sky, this object lights up and it has like four parallel neon blue lights and it goes from like mid sky higher sure, in the yeah. sky but not space high but like mid sky just swoop right into the ground and i was just like i kind of mumbled something under my breath and my other homie's like 
and he don't believe in this stuff. <laughs> he don't, he, he don't, you know, never, yeah. you know, so he's like, what? What'd you say? I was like, oh, nothing, bro. I just, I'm tripping, man. I, I just saw something. He's like, no, dog. I saw that too. What the fuck was that? Oh, you know, and I was trippy. Like, and I was like, man, I have no idea. But it was something not normal, not normal well, that aircraft. Well, stuff's becoming you know? like all exposed and there's a whole new yeah. NASA like research thing on it. Yeah. But my dad, I mean, you know, I don't know how much I'm allowed to share, but I mean, he was in the Air Force and he's got stories like, you know, it's, it's. It's, I've it, read. There's some, something. Well, I don't know what it is, but it's yeah, something. I don't know what it is either. Um, I, I mean, I, I've, I used to think it was just multidimensional beings, or it was like even yeah. like humans from the future, like yeah. you know, like humans from the future. I like yeah, that theory. That's yeah. a good one. Or like an ancient, uh, advanced civilization that lives underwater. You know? Yeah, <laughs> I love it. A lot it. of them go underwater. Yeah, I like, love. Where are they going? I love. Uh, yeah. So there's, it's Atlantis. Like where'd the Mayans go? Maybe they actually are like super advanced. You know, I don't know. I've read this military um, excerpt from this submarine. Um, this guy was in uh, the Navy for this, and he was stationed on a nuclear submarine, and so he comes up. They're like up in the Arctic somewhere, and this spacecraft comes out of the ocean. And he sees it and he reports it to his um, higher ups that are on the sub. And they're like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they're like, he's like, I, I just seen this. And they're like, you didn't see anything. Yeah. He's like, no, no, I just saw it. He's like, no, you didn't see anything. Yeah. And they're, he's like, what? Like, I don't, he didn't get it at first until they kept telling him like, no, you didn't see anything. Yeah. You'll never speak about this again. Yeah. And like, he was like, it's almost like this strange denial. And so now I feel like because it is more mainstream that Mm -hmm. hopefully like more data will be like actually collected. Cause like, I mean, instances like that where my dad, same story, like, you know, commanding officers training exercise. Right. And he's like, yeah, Yeah. training exercise. Like, yeah, you know, they just, it wasn't even reported because it was, it was a training exercise, you know? And so, the yeah. the way I'll, I'll tie this all in for us speaking about this is um, it's funny that people think that they absolutely know the truth mm. that they do not exist. Mm. You know, that aliens do not exist, that we're the only ones that also, I you know, it's funny that people maybe think that they do know they exist. Mm. To me, like... Anybody that thinks they know the truth about something in this world is going to be a problem. <laughs> They're going to be a problem. Now, there are, I believe there are certain truths that we should all hear by. That's basically respect others, don't hurt others. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. those truths, I think we all can agree on. You know, essentially, most yeah. of us would agree on that. Um but the fact that like people like, oh no, that I like to think of all the possibilities, the mystery of life, the mystery of our experience, the mm-hmm. mystery of how did I even end up here with you today on this podcast? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just totally. like, it's, it's, you know, something that I've been finding funny is like, thank, thanking God for another day. Mm-hmm. Because when I was younger, I was like, another day so what you know what i mean mm-hmm. now that i'm older and i've gotten through what i've gotten through i'm like man I'm, i wake up sometimes i'm like it's 
weird that I'm waking up here still. <laughs> it's weird that I'm waking up. <laughs> like, it's just like, it's just a funny, yeah, it's, it's just, true. I love thinking about it. Like, what am I doing waking up That's here actually, still It's day? funny that you said it. it's actually some of the very first things out of my mouth in the morning is thank God, thank God for another day. Yeah. And it's, you know, I think that that's a good way to just acknowledge that there's more work to be done that you mm. can do. There's more good that you can do yeah. here. And it's almost like I feel like God takes you home when it's when your time's done. Yeah. You know? And uh yeah. And you know whether it be disease, sickness, all you know I, I think that all of those things can be you know redeemed into something good and 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 that's the crazy thing, you know. And so mm-hmm. I've been growing a lot. I know that I, same thing with I think your faith and your spirituality, I think it's the same thing. Like you, we don't, I mean, no one's come back from the dead. Mm-hmm. Like knows what's after. I mean, you mm-hmm. could claim to have yeah. had these visions or whatever, but yeah. at the end of the day, I mean, you know, um, they call it faith for a reason. And um, I think we have to acknowledge that, you know, it's a mystery and. I love that. You know. It's and, a mystery. Yeah. And it, we hold things loosely. Yeah. I think what happens when you hold tight on the things is that's when the things become divisive mm-hmm. and people, you know, people do things that are almost against their other values because they're holding on so tight Resistance. that this has to be yeah. true. Like this yeah. has to be true. Yeah. And it's like, is it though? Yeah. Like, does it? Why like, does and, it happen? And yeah. Why? And does that supersede? Like loving other people, like mm-hmm. what's more important, loving your 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 children, or how many, holding on to this belief that yeah, you know whatever. How many it wars is. have stemmed from that? Right, it's insane. Yeah. Um, so I think we cultivate connection and encourage people to be open. Yeah. And and uh, connect and create empathy, and mm-hmm. those are the building blocks of a healthy world and a healthy healthy humanity is breaking down those barriers and causing people to it's okay i think part of it is that people are afraid Mm -hmm. and there's a there's a sense of security when they can say no this is this is for sure that's the biggest part i think and it's like nothing is absolute yeah yeah nothing is nothing yeah yeah, I believe the yeah, the fear of like it's easier for your mind once it believes it knows the truth not to let it be tampered with mm-hmm. because that's your reality that you created and if somebody's testing that reality you have to be defensive against it because if you let go of it then you, what 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 is all this what is the purpose of this what is my understanding of this at that point you know mm-hmm. and and people try to defend that I've literally had all those things shattered within myself. Um, and they were hurtful, hard to deal with. Some of it was like amazing too, when it happened, when it fell apart. And I realized, um, Mm -hmm. you know, meditations, uh, hallucinogens, different things like that have also helped me broaden my viewpoints and horizons. Uh, but the one thing that I think I really was struggling with, and I want to um, tie back into what you had said earlier about, you know, people thinking once they get to this place or this achieve this thing that then they're going to be happy, <laughs> right? And um, 
I realized at some point through traveling, through a lot of different experiences, like, you know, I wasn't happy, you know, and uh, I always had this thought like, oh, once I become this and I get these things and I accomplish that, then I'm going to feel successful. Mm. I'm going to feel accomplished. I'm going to feel I'm going to have this feeling. Mm. And um, I read a lot, too. So a lot of reading has helped me broaden my horizons and viewpoints and understanding that um, now is it is now. Mm-hmm. If you can't decide now to have it, um, another great book by Viktor Frankl, "The Search of the Meaning for Man," or the uh, the meaning, the search for the meaning of man, or something like that. Sure. Either way, he was locked in a concentration camp, mm. um, at, like one of the worst ones, and uh, he was. A philosopher but the whole book is about how you can choose to be happy no matter what mm-hmm. your environment or circumstances are mm-hmm. and this is coming from a man that went through one of the most mm-hmm. devastating experiences that we you know have documented mm-hmm. and uh that's pretty amazing that he like found out a way to decide that it doesn't matter what these people do to me I'm gonna just. I'm going to choose to be happy. Yeah, I learned that principle from uh, Stephen Covey's book, "The um, Seven Habits of a Successful Person." I've read like that, that one. But yeah. the first habit he talks about, he mentioned it might even be the same person, but this idea that humans are like the only creatures that have essentially the the freedom of mind or imagination. Like they mm. cannot, like no one can control what we think. Yeah. So like, yeah. and, and even the choices that we make, like, mm-hmm. and so he literally like lived in his own imagination in this camp and to the point where the guards became his friends mm-hmm. and it was just like, yeah, he created his guy. own reality, yeah. you know? And it's like, you can be going through the worst possible thing like ever, but we're the only creatures on the planet that can, that can shape our attitude and our mind you mm-hmm. know and have control over that and so it's it's a pretty amazing thing to think through um and, and it's also gives some hope to those that uh, may be struggling with wherever it is that they're at you know yeah and and, that, and again it also speaks to like earlier talking about like perspective and like experiencing the world and seeing that you know it's a lot bigger than just our own mm-hmm. little world here in Definitely. Spokane. <laughs> so the other thing that has helped me is just, uh, you know, realizing like it's, you know, it's never enough. Like that was a, the thought mm-hmm. that I had. It's never enough. Like you, you keep feeling like, oh, I need, I need this. I need this. Like, when is it enough? If you, think you can get these things and that then at that time you'll be happy once you get them you're never going to be happy because once you get it you're going to want something else and it's just that cycle so mm-hmm. slowing down and learning to be grateful for what you have now like for me and I can't speak for everybody and I and I can't say this would work for everybody but for me like I realized man I have so much to be thankful for like it's insane and I'm over here 
you know, really disrespecting God or disrespecting the great mystery because I am so blessed. Mm -hmm. Like I have so much to be thankful for. I'm blessed with so much and I've never been happy with it until Mm. within the last few years. I was never happy with the abundance that was already existence in my life. Mm -hmm. And I never felt enough. Mm. Like I'm not enough. I gotta be more, I gotta be better. Mm-hmm. I was never happy with myself and who I was, mm. you know? And so like learning how to practice, just like, dude, it's okay, bro, where you're at, mm-hmm. who you are right now, you are trying to be better and that's all that matters right mm-hmm. now. And you can be thankful and happy for that, totally. you know? And so that's been, a, that's been a huge thing that's helped me actually heal um, and, mm. and yeah, just heal from the trauma that I put myself through. But, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, man, I, I mean, this we're was, good on time. Yeah, I hope yeah. you had fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we we crushed it, man. Yeah, dude. That was a great conversation. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. Absolutely. Uh, we'll put, you know, all your Instagrams and, like, for websites sure. in the show notes so people can find out more about Indaba if they would like and, and you. So thank yeah, you, man. man. I appreciate it, Bobby. Yeah, it was fun hanging out and chatting. Thanks for having me on the podcast. And Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I hope, uh, folks can take one or two things away and from the podcast, but if, if, you know, if there's one thing to take away, it's that, um, aliens are real. Aliens are real. (laughs) Elon is the president of them. So anyway, I'm your host, Bobby J. This is City Chapters Podcast, and this chapter was Bobby Inslow from Indaba.